2: Welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got a phenomenal episode. We have Corey Wright. He is the managing broker at William Wright Commercial Real Estate Services.
1: That's absolutely right. And Corey Wright has been on the show many times in the past. He's been on Vancouver Real Estate Live when that used to be a thing, and it's coming back soon, I hope. Right. Uh, but he's he's definitely a past guest fan favorite. There's no question about that. And when we're talking about COVID-19 related things in, re- in relation to real estate, there's nobody better to talk about commercial real estate with than Corey Wright. Yeah, and the, the best thing, this is such a phenomenal conversation if you're
2: interested in all in commercial real estate, but it's also great for people that are interested in residential real estate because obviously, obviously the two are connected. And another thing that's great about this conversation is how Corey is dealing with staying home. There's some <laughs> phenomenal tips. Uh, he, he get this guy gets up so early. It's like when most people go to bed. I think you texted Corey this morning at around noon and. Asked him if he was getting ready for bed or for dinner or what what, what was going on with that? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, he said good morning. He texted us and said good morning. It was about nine yeah. thirty or ten. Yeah. Which <laughs> but, for him but is But one the thing evening. about Corey, yeah. What one thing about Corey also, and I think it comes through in this conversation, and I think with all the conversations we've had with him, is that um, he's he's a deep thinker when it comes to these things. I mean, he's you know he runs a brokerage with multiple offices. He's attacking this. Uh, intellectually, from from a, a bunch of different angles, and uh, I, I feel like there is a lot of light shed on on what the aftermath in Vancouver looks like uh, because Corey's just a really bright guy. Yeah,
2: and it's funny because we're all we were recording this over Zoom, so it, the video is available on our YouTube channel. So definitely go and check that out. But we all uh, we spent a lot of time trying to get the right angles, and and Corey has his Zoom angle just unlocked. <laughs> um oh i know it's it's unbelievable i mean he wasn't he's... even
1: aware of what zoom was he didn't yeah. even know what zoom was and then when we got on he already had the angle perfect yeah he
2: like... had like the painter's tape <laughs> on the floor like where to stand and like the perfect <laughs> but he, he came on and uh, the yeah. first
1: thing you said you said man Corey, have you lost a bunch of weight he's like no nah, man just found the angle
2: yeah it's 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 all in pushing my neck out an extra quarter inch and and, and you know what it's funny because um Corey's, you know, he's, he's in good shape overall,
1: but yeah, check out this video on YouTube. He's a, he's a serious beefcake. That, (laughs) that's for sure. And there's a few things we wanted to touch on before we got to our talk with Corey. Uh, first off, Adam, there has been a couple reviews. We have not talked about iTunes reviews in a while. And, uh, the last couple of weeks we've kind of been focused on, on really just talking about planking, but I think it's worth mentioning. There's been a couple of, of new iTunes reviews here.
2: Yes, there have. Yeah. And, uh, I'm going to try and get onto my phone without it disconnecting here, Matt. We've been having some technical issues, but, um, we do shout out, shout out to everybody who's given our podcast a review over the years. We've been doing this for now almost five years and, uh, we are at 267 reviews on iTunes, which we're very excited about. So thank you for supporting the show, but we had a couple new ones recently and, um, We'll we'll read them. We had one in March, which I really love. Uh the subject line is rock on and the message is this podcast is fuel. So yeah, uh that's it. Yeah, that's it. I love that. I, I love that too. This is uh this guy drives the monster energy truck. <laughs> like, like what that was your review of his that was, review? that was my review of his review it's rock on this podcast is fuel this guy's going to shred the gnar this weekend somewhere it's uh it's joan ww no w. that's a it's a great review and then we have review number two uh this one is shout out to um i'm just going to get his name justin science i believe is how you pronounce his, his name he's a he's a real estate agent in home he's a realtor Yeah, he's a realtor with Home Life Benchmark Realty in White Rock, and uh, Justin, shout out, we really appreciate lots lots of agents that listen to our program, and uh, we're really grateful for that, but he says, you guys are by far my fave podcast right now. We are realtors in the valley with a little team called TOTL, I think it's maybe Total, Um, and I've listened to every episode for the past couple of years. I recommend your podcast to anyone that will listen. You guys are both entertaining and educational. I love your guests, and you have a great sense of humor, and the podcast has a great vibe. Keep up the great work, you guys. Um, I'm a huge fan. So thank you so much for that review, Justin. Uh, Appreciate it. Um, Justin and his team, as we'll just highlight that again they're they're out in uh, white rock home life benchmark Realty appreciate the review and Matt what else do we got before we have our interview with Corey
1: well what else do we have uh he, well here's the thing a little bit of an update on the market here we've been in deep freeze for the last two to three weeks I would say right uh, and we've talked about it quite a bit on the podcast there's been a lot of good news uh in in BC and we're not out of the woods yet but there's been a lot of positive news uh coming from dr bonnie henry specifically um she's doing god's work that's for sure and uh we just wanted to see people are still buying and selling real estate it's it's definitely a slower moment a lot of people are not going out when they have to but people still do need to sell and need to buy real estate and we have a new listing that is a phenomenal listing it is a three-bedroom listing right at the key in Lonsdale and lower Lonsdale in north vancouver You guys are going to want to see this listing. Adam and I are doing a virtual open house. This is the latest thing—a virtual open house Sunday two to four. We are going to be both at this listing, marketing this incredible three bedroom with unbelievable views, corner unit, ten feet apart, brand new. Oh my god! Oh, it is. This is. You're going to want to see this. We're going to be live on Realtor.ca. There, there's a new virtual open house uh, component there and it goes out to facebook it goes out to instagram so watch for that uh if nothing more come by and say hello
2: yeah and we we want to be as clear as we possibly can we're we we are adapting to these new times um we are doing virtual open houses so there'll be nobody coming through the property. Uh you and I actually are not even going to be riding the elevator up together. Uh, there's some serious We're throwing distancing. the key I'm throwing the
1: keys down. Um, I'm throwing the keys down <laughs> from off, the, balcony. Off the
2: balcony. And uh and honestly um this is uh we we are we are taking all precautions necessary. Absolutely,
1: but the um, nice thing, but the nice thing about this, Adam, is is that anyone can log in on their phone or the computer, and they can actually ask us questions. So if you're interested in seeing uh, more detail in the walk-in closet in the sure. master, hey. Like we'll walk over and show you that detail. So it's a really interesting kind of new way to look at properties. And we're going to be trying it out Sunday, two to four, Uh, the inaugural, the inaugural attempt at a virtual open house. And I'm really excited about it.
2: No, it's amazing. If you want to open the fridge, Matt's an expert at opening the fridge.
1: (laughs) Just don't ask me to turn on the stove. (laughs)
2: Yeah, exactly. But you can order DoorDash with your eyes closed. That's right.
1: But maybe without further ado, <laughs> this makes me think of our talk with Corey. Corey Wright from William Wright Commercial. Uh this is the guy to listen to when it comes to commercial real estate and COVID nineteen for sure. So stay tuned. It's a good one.
2: Okay, so we're here with Corey Wright from William Wright Commercial, managing broker. Welcome, Corey.
3: Thanks for having me get back, guys. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time again, Corey. Uh, okay, I've got, got lots
3: of time right past, now.
1: Past guest,
3: fan favorite
1: for sure. It,
2: it, if Matt doesn't say fan favorite, the interview didn't happen.
3: I thought I was a fan favorite the first time I was ever on. hey I, I get, did I get yeah. uh, <laughs> a fan favorite? But I've never been here before. We-
1: that's a title of each one of our fan favorite good. <laughs> yeah we like to pump everyone's
2: tires it's probably
3: my mom writing into you guys asking to get me on the show one day is quite <laughs> what it was
2: so Corey, so uh, most of our 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 viewers are are familiar with you um but can you tell everyone a little bit about
3: yourself sure yeah so i'm the, the managing broker with william wright commercial uh we have four offices uh throughout the lower mainland and vancouver island and we uh handle all uh, commercial asset classes, retail, industrial, multifamily, development sites, office. And uh, we are also just launched uh, a property management division, which now we can do handle all uh, all of our clients and uh, potential clients, uh, commercial property management and all asset classes across the province.
1: Nice. And, and before we get into the commercial real estate, we've talked to a lot of people now in the last two, three weeks about the impact of COVID-19 on the residential real estate and on the economy large kind of on a larger scale. Um, but we're coming on three weeks here of isolation and social distancing. Sounds like you're doing it right.
3: Well, I think I think the key thing right now is or the trick to it is, is try to keep your habits the same as if you were getting up going to work every day. Cause I think it's really easy to fall into bad practice or you sleep in a little bit or maybe you know maybe you eat fairly decent throughout the week but now you're throwing in a couple whoppers on wednesday i think as hard as it is to try (laughs) to keep those habits if you can now that once we sort of venture out of this and back into the work mode you'll be easier to bounce back versus kind of almost coming back from a holiday where it takes a week or two to kind of get your mind ready to go and i think i think the key thing for everyone to remember that this is you know it's a bump in the road we're all dealing with it as as a world. We're dealing with it, but we will get through it. We'll get past it, and and you know, the numbers in BC have been pretty encouraging. I'd be very optimistic this week's numbers on a daily average will be less than last week because now we're kind of about three weeks into the whole whole uh, social distancing thing, so a lot of the efforts two or three weeks ago should be showing dividends this week, and I think there'll be a lot of optimism going through this week, and, and hopefully we'll get everything back to normal and a, probably a new reality uh, sooner than later, and I think it's important to be ready to go when that time comes.
2: So Corey, so what kind of things are you doing to kind of make sure that your, your habits are there? Well, I, I'm just not in a three piece suit.
3: Yeah, no, well, actually to be honest with you, when you told me we're going on zoom here, I, I put a shirt on cause I've been usually doing a lot of work with no shirt on right now, which is <laughs> probably, probably scarier than anything. Um, you I mean, I, I, I'm one of those kooky guys that wakes up about three thirty in the morning to get a workout in, get my day going, get ahead of the curve if I can. So I've been trying to keep those, uh, those habits going. Unfortunately, uh, due to the lack of weights at my house, I've been doing uh, a lot of makeshift Pilates and uh, not in a very good way. It's probably horrible to watch. It would probably be great <laughs> reality TV right now, but I'm, I'm doing everything I can. And I've I've sort of found, like I said earlier, I've positioned this camera just about right that my, my turkey chin is hidden. So it looks like I'm actually doing okay. But when I stand up and none of my clothes fit me, the reality is going to quickly here.
1: <laughs> oh man, that's great! Three thirty in the morning—that is incredible during these times. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not the
3: easiest thing to do, trust me. But um, i i i have to force myself to do it because I know if I don't, I'll be—I'll I'll be a write-off for two weeks after trying to get myself back up at those times. So,
2: yeah. What what time do you go to bed to get up at three thirty?
3: To be honest with you, I'm usually out between eight and nine. Uh, the last couple nights, I've been pushing the envelope. I've kind of got—I was watching the uh, the Tiger King. On Netflix there, and I was losing brain cells every episode. But at the same point in time, I couldn't turn it off. So I, I was up a little bit later last night, trying to get all those episodes in to figure out what everyone's talking about.
1: Uh, speaking of a tragedy, yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe we'll, we'll pivot here to um, to why uh, why we ha- asked you back, Corey. Broadly speaking, uh, and this is very broad, and I think you have a lot to say about it. But how has COVID 19 uh, impacted the commercial real estate world here in the lower mainland?
3: Yeah, well, I think it's pretty obvious. I think with the shutdown, especially things like in the hospitality sector, the hotel sector, uh, you know, I mean, service based, like barbershops and beauty salons, it's been pretty evident what's happened. And I think, I mean, we will get through this. That part, I'm, I'm extremely confident in. How quickly do we get back to normal is another thing. I think the numbers will, be, will hopefully be very optimistic this week and we'll get a better indication of how that looks moving forward. But I think, I mean, there's there's definitely going to be some casualties, unfortunately, probably out there. But, you I mean, it's, it's going to get back to business. And I think between landlords and tenants, really, really, we're encouraging a lot of clients that, if they're in that position to make sure you're working together to get through this, because it's not an isolated incident, one town or one area is seeing the whole world is dealing with this, unfortunately. And there's a lot of support on the banking side of things to hope, hopefully help get both residential and commercial landlords and tenants and, and homeowners through this. So, I mean, there will be a lot of, I think, new layouts and new things that will come of this, even questions that I think that are out there that will, you mean we'll have to take a bit of time like does this really affect the co-working spaces like is this going to affect the WeWorks in the regions of the world where maybe people don't want to work side by side in a room with 100 people moving forward and you know do restaurants have to have you mean more space between seats in the future where they don't have 300 seats they got 200 a lot of questions that part need to be answered because
1: in terms of casual things i don't know if you're comfortable naming names but you did mention uh we work seems like uh an obvious one. What? What? Maybe even broadly speaking, which kind of areas are going to be hit the hardest here, and and where do you see the casualties?
3: Well, I think you know something like WeWork. Obviously, is a, I mean, they were kind of in an unstable position, it seemed before all this hit. I mean, that business model of putting a hundred or two or three hundred people into a room, generally in an open office concept. You I mean is that a model that society wants to move forward with? That I don't know. You mean maybe a lot of people realize they don't want to work there. They want to work from home. Or maybe companies that are putting people into these spaces don't want their brokers or don't want their, um, sorry, their employees sitting in a room with a hundred people. Maybe they want more privacy. So you mean, does that alter that model? You mean that model there would have a lot of effect on Vancouver's office market because there's hundreds of thousands of square feet currently leased to that co-working industry. There's a hundred hundreds and thousands of square feet committed to in some of the new construction we have downtown Vancouver. And if that model doesn't survive, that could put a lot of inventory back into the marketplace. I mean, there's, there's stuff like that. I think some of the smaller restaurants, the mom and pop operations, unfortunately, may have a tough time. I think the big question is, I mean, is a landlord willing to work with their tenant during this tough, tough time is number one. Number two, if that option is there, how quickly do we return to normal for those types of businesses? I mean, as a society, do we all just run back because we're so pent up? at home that we want to get back seeing is do we all run back into a restaurant right away and they sort of pick up and see sales as normal or does this take two or three months to phase in to see those sales get up to it i think a lot of people from a business ownership standpoint is a lot of these small businesses yeah they profit and you they probably provide a good living for the hard-working owners but they can't sustain uh you know two or three months of no revenue i mean that's one thing too is you mean like running these restaurants they might some of these places might have. $50,000, $60,000, $70,000, $100,000 50000 dollars a month in overhead between large staffs and rent and all that stuff. That you mean not a lot of business can withstand that. So I think a lot of it would be a case by case basis between a landlord and tenant. And I think your relationships with your landlord and tenant up to this point will play a large factor moving forward. Where if you've been a tenant that's been willing to work with the landlord and vice versa, you mean that will probably go a long way. Versus if you've been a, a challenging tenant to deal with, the landlords may not extend the same uh, the same opportunity to you because there's nothing in a lease that sort of really defines what's going on. And there's nothing, there's no government policies that mandate over a private contract between landlord and tenant that the landlord has to extend and treat a tenant in such a manner.
2: Does this have the potential to uh, change the lease agreement?
3: I think moving forward, you're going to find that that things that are sort of slightly touched on in leases and every leasing commercial is different versus residential. You kind of have a government form, that everyone relies on in commercial, every lease is different. You'll hear things like a landlord standard form lease. There's no standard form for the industry. That's the standard form that landlord has chosen to work with for that particular property. So no two commercial leases are really alike. Um, there, there's things like force majeure, which talks about unforeseen circumstances that a, a tenant cannot afford to pay the rent, whether this falls into that or if landlords are accepting of that is another thing. So I think moving forward, I think you're going to find that things like the COVID issue that we're dealing with and how some places, unfortunately, were forced to shut down and couldn't operate. And ones that could operate saw probably a huge dramatic fall in their ability to generate revenue to pay the rent will definitely become uh, worked into leases by lawyers, both on the tenant side and the landlord side moving forward. So, so William Wright
1: has uh, a property management uh, component uh, to the to the business. and And you guys work with a lot of uh, placing tenants, but also with landlords. How are you uh, advising? I mean, it sounds like there's on the one side uh, problematic tenants. It seems like an opportunity to yeah. to get rid of them right now. But how generally are are you guys advising? And what's what's kind of the feel on the street uh, with how landlords are trying to approach uh, these difficult times?
3: Yeah, to be honest, with you, it's a mixed bag. I mean, every every landlord has a different approach of dealing with it. We are encouraging anyone that reaches out to us. Is, you I mean, from a landlord perspective, your best bet is to work with your tenant. Um, a lot of commercial lenders that we've either dealt with on behalf of a client or we've been reported back to from clients and their experience with the commercial lenders, they've been very, very easy to deal with overall on the deferral. Now, keep in mind, there's nothing that says a landlord has to pass on that deferral to their tenant, but we would highly encourage landlords to work with their tenants because, you I mean, if you have to subsidize or help out for two or three potential months, that could be the best investment you make, because if, if there was a major vacancy issue, um, fortunately in Vancouver, we have a lot of historical lows on a lot of the asset classes and the vacancy, so we wouldn't be as greatly affected as some other marketplaces might be, but it costs money to re-tenant a property. You mean tenants could want free rent, they could want a fixturing period for build-outs, there could be something called tenant improvement allowance, which is money from the landlord paid directly to the tenant to help out with his build-out cost. I mean, brokers get paid in the leasing aspect. Lawyers get paid for drafting leases. So it can be very costly to re-tenant a property. And, I mean, if a landlord's looking at the big picture, to subsidize or help out in any way possible, whether it's a deferral or a relief um, for a couple of months, could be the best investment they make moving forward because there's just no guarantee how quickly that we get back to normal with certain asset classes or types of businesses.
2: It, it's has to be impossible right now uh, to... Uh, to, to Find a uh, find a business to take on a commercial lease right this moment.
3: Yeah, it's, it's you know we find that most people are kind of doing the wait in the sea approach. I mean, I think a lot of the people that we deal with are on the business minded aspect that this is not going to be forever. It's not Armageddon. This is going mean, to we will resume life, and it's just a matter of figuring out how quickly does that happen. And I mean, believe it or not, we're still getting listings. We're still removing subjects on deals. We have brokers that are are still you know closing properties, all of that stuff. But for the majority of it, I think a lot of people on the buy side and the lease side are more taking a wait and see approach, or we're, we're having to do things where the tenant wants to move forward, but they want to push back the uh, commencement date, maybe two or three months, maybe from July to September, just to allow for more time for life to get back to normal. So,
1: Corey, you were you mentioned before we went
3: live, and you kind of uh, mentioned
1: it here a little bit about, uh, about say... Uh, joey's moving from x number of tables to potentially a smaller number of tables just because people social distancing kind of plays out over the long term in in changing habits and changing norms can you talk a little bit more about how you think uh the culture potentially shifts here and what that
3: means uh for the commercial real estate business well i think i think moving forward there definitely will be some questions that we we we'll need to get answers to like that, like from a restaurant standpoint where, I mean, you know, leases are not cheap in Vancouver. Um, some restaurants are on what they call percentage rent deals where they'll pay a sort of a fixed amount and then a percentage of their sales over a predetermined benchmark, where there's a lot of pressure from from restaurant owners to probably hit these numbers because there is a lot of high costs that go involved in that business, which could be, you mean, know, the profit margins could be shrinking. I mean, every year with the cost of goods and labor costs and rental costs that, that maybe moving forward, maybe there's not 300 tables in 5,000 square feet. Maybe maybe society doesn't want that. Maybe society wants more room in between the tables where maybe they're forced to go down to 200 seats. And you I mean, that could trickle up to the landlords because tenants will say, hey, I can't afford to pay you that because I have one third less capacity in my restaurant to generate revenue to pay you rent. So I mean, that I think will will sort of yet to be determined. Like we talked about like the office, the, the big trend in offices has always been open office concepts lately in industrial office spaces. You know, maybe people don't want to be packed into rooms like that anymore. Maybe they want more privacy moving forward. I think companies like like Amazon, obviously, where maybe people in the past, maybe some of the older generations, have been hesitant to use their services because they're just not familiar with them, that are now using them. So that business maybe, maybe booms, which then has an effect on an already tight industrial marketplace. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that that I think is yet to be determined. And I think it even goes broader than that if you want to talk international where maybe a lot of North American-based companies will maybe look at bringing manufacturing back to North America in some form or another moving forward because, unfortunately, this might not be a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. This could be reality for us. And every three to five years, we might deal with something similar to this. And maybe they don't want to have these shutdowns overseas like they've done where traditionally it's been cheaper to manufacture. Maybe taking that that three- or four-month shutdown and, and the production Production hiccups—that's going to cause, you know, cause for a lot of companies. Maybe they look at paying a higher cost to move it back to North America, just purely based on the fact that if this does happen again, that that's safer and maybe it's easier for them to control.
2: Well, this, this seems at least to have been a steroid injection into um, delivery service, totally. everything, right? Um, so, yeah, I think that's a that's a great point about industrial. Um, you can imagine how how that market. And are you seeing rumblings of that? Like, I mean, it's. Our, I know it's already a tight market in in the Greater Vancouver area. So, do you think that there might be more of a shift towards towards creating more industrial?
3: Yeah, I think. I think. I think. You mean the industrial? You mean market already has historically low uh, vacancy rates and probably some of the lowest in North America. And there's a lot of pressure on that marketplace because of it. And I think this is probably going to add more pressure in the future. Because you're going to get a lot of home-based or, you know, a lot of people who are from home that are forced to get products via delivery, whether it be from Staples or it's from Joey's on a restaurant standpoint or whatever, that they're going to be forced to do this. So that's going to put more pressure on industrial markets that deal in warehouses. The other thing, when you look at someone like a Joey's, do you mean these ghost kitchens that are popping up on um, on all the food, uh, food courier apps. I mean do they look at maybe we don't want to spend $20,000 on putting a sit down restaurant in place we want to go rent an industrial space and put a commissary kitchen idea in place and we launch it as a ghost kitchen and we can have better profit margins doing that so maybe maybe those restaurants shrink in size because they're doing other things that would you mean potentially come out of industrial spaces that put further prop further pressure on there
1: for those who don't uh, know about ghost kitchens or haven't heard of them can you just maybe explain what what that is and what's going on there?
3: Sure. So you see a lot of these food apps where you might order from an o, a Jurel, or sorry, a Joey's or an Earl's type of thing, a, a brand name that we could go sit down and eat at. Other times, a lot of these places are operating what they call ghost kitchens, which are restaurants that don't exist physically. You can't physically go, but it's more or less a menu that's been produced by either a restaurant company or, or a potential uh, non-restaurant company that operates out of a commissary kitchen under a brand name that they've created themselves. So maybe you go to Corey's Kitchen and there's an online, or through Uber Eats, you can go to Corey's Kitchen, there's a menu you can pick from and that food is produced from a commissary kitchen in an industrial area and then delivered directly to your door but you can't physically go to the restaurant. So, I mean, those are probably a lot cheaper to operate in the short term and they're probably a lot cheaper to operate in the medium to long term with respect to labor costs, then maybe that becomes a much more popular trend because I think you might find a lot of people now that probably never used the Uber Eats or the DoorDash services now are forced to use them and are becoming reliable on them. And I think it could really change the customer service cycle of how that industry works.
1: Maybe just shifting gears here. I mean, a, there's a couple of things that seem very specific to Vancouver, right? We're a we're a service oriented city. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about uh, we've talked about it on the show before, and we've talked about it with you. But the the cruise ship industry, the hotel industry, um, the co work industry. You know the culture that exists in Vancouver. I think that doesn't exist in every city across the country. Where it's a very much a go out. You know, three, four, five nights a week. Um, All of this uh, seems like there's there's real potential uh, for a catastrophe, especially in in, you know residential. The the as the saying goes, everybody needs uh, you know a roof to keep over their head. On the commercial side. Uh, Not so much. Can you talk about? And I know you're you're fairly optimistic on on the market, but what does kind of a
3: worst case scenario look like here? Well, Um, I think if you look at like the asset classes that are probably going to be the affected um, the most, you mean hotel and hospitality would definitely be number one. You mean Vancouver has had a great hotel industry for quite some time that I mean that has got huge impacts because those people that are coming off of say the cruise ships and are staying at the hotels are also going to eat at the restaurants and going shopping at the Nordstroms and all of that stuff. So, you know, I think if you wanted to look at a, a doomsday perspective, you know, I mean, the hotel industry could have a very slow start because the reality is do we all get back on planes and cruise ships and get right back to doing what we're doing, or is there a little bit of lag time on that? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe maybe something like the cruise ship industry that was so popular that it obviously has taken a lot of had a lot of bad press with this covid nineteen situation where you get three thousand people on a ship that can't get off and it just spreads throughout maybe maybe that market doesn't really come back to what it once was and you know if there's not all the ships showing up then there's not all the guests at the restaurants and at the hotels and all you mean know, shopping at the stores so mean you know, from a doomsday perspective yeah there could be i mean I think I mean, Vancouver is such an international city that we are very dependent on travel and stuff like that. But there's a lot of new companies that Vancouver was never really a head office market for say offices, you know, for years, going back years and years and years. And now you're getting more and more companies are, are calling Vancouver home, whether it's a secondary office space or like a Lululemon that was founded here, that's a, a great employer in the city. I mean, those people need to go back out. You I mean, they're gonna have disposable income to go back out. You got the tech market, which has been a huge, pro- been a huge driver of I think the Vancouver office market, but all pro- obviously probably has a lot of spin off into the residential market and also disposable income and how it's spent because you are getting a lot of young professionals that are getting paid very, very well, that have disposable income, that can't afford to go out to restaurants, they can afford to have drinks, they can go shop at the whole Renfrews of the world. so And the tech industry doesn't seem like it's been greatly affected because of this. And if not, you know, if, if anyone comes out ahead, the tech industry could come out even stronger mm-hmm. because more and more people are using apps and, and talking on Zoom. I mean, a lot of companies that probably never thought they could work remotely and thought they had to have five, six, 7,000 square foot offices everyone had to show up every day, they've been forced to work remotely and maybe they're finding it's not as bad. And maybe that footprint of a five, six, seven thousand 7,000 square foot office tenant becomes 3,000. And now they have people working from home and cloud-based services and things like Zoom are, are things that now that, that, that will benefit by it in the long term.
1: Right. Yeah. Even the idea of the, you know, the, the conference, the international or national conference, right? Like I think there's, it it is, it's kind of an interesting, I think Adam said it in response to your answer, Corey, but this idea of like uh, a lot of the technological changes that we've seen over the last say 10 years, it's like putting it on steroids. Right. Uh, And, and especially kind of dragging some of the, the more, uh, Luddite-ish uh, amongst us into into the technological age. I mean, we would have done this in person before. We may never Just, do it. Yeah,
3: again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's like I asked you before. You said like, how do I get a Zoom account going? Like this is, and now yeah. that I have it, I'm gonna like i to Zoom everybody I know after this.
2: Yeah, not not that not that you're one of the Luddites, Corey, but um, <laughs> yeah. it, it, the reality though is, you know, I mean, it has forced everybody to find a way to adapt to sure. this new world. Right. And in a lot of cases, it's actually not that bad. I mean, we, we had a, uh, a, a zoom drink with some friends the other night and there was no worry about like a taxi. Uh, yeah. it was still a lot of fun. We were comfortable. Um, you know, like it, it we was didn't have perfect- to help run down the stairs.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Stumble into your bed after.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was actually, it was actually kind of awesome. And I think it's also like, the joke that, you know, I keep seeing is like, Hey, it turns out it actually could have been an email this meeting. Right. Like, yeah. and, and, and so I think people are kind of collectively realizing that. Right.
3: I think you're exactly right. Like it's, it's really forced a lot of people and companies to really change their ways. Like I know, I mean, talking to some other business owners that are now having to like sign checks remotely now and electronically that before that they were, they, they knew it was coming, but they never thought when it would come. And now they've been forced into it and they realize it's, it's not nearly as bad
2: i don't so, and sorry to interrupt, but I don't know if this is true or not, but I just heard that notaries and lawyers are doing closings uh, with DocuSign.
3: well I, we we've you know everything that we had scheduled to close sort of in you know late March and into early April is all closed on plan, on time and talking to banks they've all funded on time, and I think some some lawyers have been making exceptions from say they don't want wet signatures they'll take an, uh, an e signature for now followed up by a wet signature to later date. I really right, think it's going to change how we do business moving forward. It's going to force us to get into that electronic age more so than we probably already are and probably faster than we've ever been. And I think there'll, there'll be a lot of things that will change because of it, like whether it's meetings or, or docu-signs and, and transfer of money and all of that stuff. It will definitely change. I think how we operate as a, you know, as a business community around the world.
2: Well, well the best oh, thing, you know, we, we just had a chat um, the other day with, um, john john Barry, who uh, wrote a book on the spanish influenza and he was was talking to that this morning yeah well he was mentioning the different countries and how they've responded and singapore not not even shutting down their schools um but but you know it's kind of in keeping in mind that you know a lot of asian countries have have been through this or some form of this recently right and they've they've been forced to forced to deal with uh the the threat of a pandemic before where this feels very new um to north america right um like even the idea of seeing everybody in masks and gloves um not uncommon necessarily in hong kong or in parts of china um even when we're not dealing with this right yeah um so yeah i think i think if anything we're going to come out of this uh better better business practices and uh, better prepared if this does happen again of course
3: and i think if you look at it like if we want to compare it to something and obviously it's not the same if you look at like kind of the financial crash of like the 0809 time frame i mean that was that was an economy that crashed i mean we're kind of in like almost like a forced recession type of thing right now where we've been forced to close the economy was very very healthy before this and yes it might take a little bit of time i don't necessarily know we'll have a v bounce back like the first week we open, I think it'll be a U-shape. And, and I mean, how how long is the bottom of that U is yet to be determined. But, I mean, the economy was thriving. The financial system probably has never been in a better better time or better position to, unfortunately, encounter something like this. And they learned a lot probably from 0809. We learned a lot probably from 9-11 before that and having to deal with these, these, these catastrophes of some sort. So from an economic standpoint, it, it may be a little bit, to get it going again but the economy before was extremely healthy and in Vancouver we do depend on travel and international trade for sure but I mean, we have, I mean, how many tens of thousands of people a year moving in here into this, into this uh, metro Vancouver area Mm -hmm. that, I mean, these people are already a place to live. They're going to need a place to work. So there's going to be the entrepreneurial spirit, get back together and people are going to get back out there. And I think you'll see a lot of small business campaigns and support local businesses because we, I mean, as a, as a, as a country and a province, we're all dealing with this together. And I think we've been very fortunate. And I've sort of said this from the start, we look at a lot of these catastrophes around the world, like say in Italy. Well, if you look at Italy from a population standpoint, at almost 61 million people, they're a country that's 33 times smaller than Canada. And you look at the average age of an Italian person, they're much older than the average Canadian person. I think they were very slow to react that BC and I, I mean, I've never been one to come out and say, I mean, great things about the NDP, but you have to applaud them in this situation that I think they've stepped up and they've done a good job and they've, I mean, I mean they've, they've done what they can to get us through this. And I think you got to look at like, uh, I mean, everything from the government level has worked out very well in BC. And I don't think we had the same demographics and dynamics that they do say in a New York or, or something like that in Italy, where we're going to turn into those situations, but they definitely make you aware and they bring out fear for sure. I think we'll be, we'll be much further ahead when this is all said and done than maybe they will and how quickly they come out of it. It's it's interesting to think
1: <clears throat> about kind of the larger, um, not necessarily the economic impact, although that's something really interesting, but kind of the cultural shifts you're talking about, um, but also this kind of move that seemed to be in the air, but I think you're right, uh, this more nationalistic, you know, with 3M. I don't know where you saw where they're... Yeah. You know, the masks uh, or the equipment that they're producing, not going over the borders, not coming to Canada or or Latin America. Um, And there's this new push, or it feels like probably it did 30, 40 years ago, to nationalize and and make sure that you can self sustain. This is all a long way of saying there's, it does seem like there's a bunch of changes occurring here. We've talked about kind of worst case scenario for Vancouver, but where I think light industry was mentioned, but where do you see the real opportunities? in the next call it three to six months, potentially even the next three to five years, if if we see some pretty significant shifts here.
3: Well I think I think you look at like I mean we're fortunate, like I said earlier, is all the asset classes in commercial in you know BC for the lower mainland greater Vancouver area are very, very strong. And I think you I mean industrial, which has already been a fantastically performing asset class for years now, is only going to get better with time because now I think you're going to see a shift where a lot of more businesses that need that type of space are gonna get into it. And unfortunately a lot of the land that's currently used for that is becoming you mean know, is becoming hard to hard to find because it's turning into to towers. And I think you're gonna look at like multifamily. You mean people need a roof over their head. I think it's gonna be a safe haven, you mean for investors in the long term, obviously right now. There's been some challenges posed uh, from the uh, the NDP with regards to percentage rental increases. I think a lot of people look at the landlord perspective from a tenant standpoint. And, and because you own a, a multifamily building, you're automatically a big, bad billionaire. And a lot of people forget that a lot of these people are taking their, their hard-earned savings and their life savings, and they're investing it into this property as an investment. They may not necessarily know how to operate it. But I mean, there's big mortgages. And when you're looking at potentially only having a two and a half or a two point six percent increase on your rents, well, my property taxes as a building owner are going up far greater than two and a half percent. My insurances are going up far greater, especially this last year. You I mean hydro, garbage removal, recycling. And I think you I mean this past year there's sort of been some some uncertainty maybe surrounding that because if my rents only go up two and a half, two point six percent, no one's leaving because there's no vacancy. So I'm not being able to turn over those units to get fair market, but my expenses are going up six, eight percent. How does that look? And I think this is going to, I mean, this, unfortunately, what's happened here now, it might put a little bit more of a spin on the multifamily where maybe it's not as rocky of an asset class as maybe a retail could be, where maybe people will start to, to say, hey, I'll, I'll look at that and I'll take those potential, maybe minimal increases every single year to know that I could be running a 99% occupancy rate year round versus in retail, maybe you might not have the same. and. I mean, in retail in Vancouver, there's a lot of restaurants and a lot of service-based industries there. So, I mean, how that sort of plays itself out moving forward, there could be opportunity for new tenants that maybe looked at spaces before that were maybe unaffordable or unachievable. Maybe there's a little bit of relief on that aspect of it. Um, I mean, I really don't think there's going to be long-term or medium-term problems. There definitely will probably be some jockeying in the coming months, maybe year. But overall, I think you can't go wrong getting into it. If you look at the office market, I mean, the office market has had such has such low uh, cap rates on investment property because it's been so challenging because of things like we work and the Amazons taking up all the space. If there's any little bit of relief and that vacancy rate does rise a little bit, you might see some of those cap rates become much more generous for investors. So there could be a good opportunity maybe to get in the short term when two or three years will probably go back to where we are, if not sooner. There's just... In commercial, we always suffer from there's not usually a lot of inventory to pick from to start with, or at least a lot of, not a lot of good inventory to pick from. So, if that good inventory becomes a little bit more in the short term, there could be some opportunities to pick up some properties that some probably really attractive, you know, we mean short term pricing that a year down the road or two years down the road might look like phenomenal investments. And if it's cheaper to fund it, to acquire it, sorry, through interest rates now, you I mean that that's a lot of money you could be saving on a, on a brand new front loaded. Uh, mortgage moving forward, that there could be some exceptional opportunities to to, to pick up some property. I don't think anyone is looking to sell in the immediate future unless they've sort of committed money somewhere else. And if that's the case, they may get out for a little bit less than they wanted. So, again, there could be that opportunity to pick it up. But overall, I'm extremely optimistic. It is a challenge in the short term, but it's just a bump in the road that we'll all figure out as we go forward. And Vancouver's always had such a great business economy overall that I think we'll be able to sustain any 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 challenges ahead, whether it's the industry, the cruise ship industry or the hotel industry, we'll, we'll figure it out. You, just as a final,
1: well, not necessarily a final thought, just one thought that I had that might be the final thought. Um, Give it a shot. Yeah. So the idea that, you know, it, it takes a long time for people to kind of come out of hibernation and maybe, you know, uh, I was at um, Papinos right before kind of the shutdown here. And I'm thinking for me to be in Papinos right now, I don't know if you've been there where it's so tight, Yep, heard of it. Uh, Like I would be, I'm uncomfortable in this, in my office. And there, I heard somebody talk and there's like one other person in the whole building and it's making me anxious right now. Uh, so it, I think there is sort of a, a delay in kind of getting back to normal. But I think of in the Spanish flu, one of the more interesting uh, things, John Barry said a ton of interesting things, but one thing they said that was really interesting was his theory was the roaring twenties was kind of an, came out of the spanish food yeah. right it was like this uh you know this sort of uh hey tomorrow might be the last let's let's have a go so there's a potential that i could really see that happening right now yeah. in the sense that like i'm i feel very much like you didn't realize how much how much community mattered yeah. <laughs> to you and face-to-face uh contact right like i think there's a real potential that this we come back kind of swinging here just in terms of you know you don't know what you got till it's gone type
3: thing yeah i, I totally agree with you I, I, i'm betting on that like i have bought a whole bunch of mgm stock thinking that this thing's one third of the price it was and when this gets back to normal every guy is, is pent up is going to be getting on a plane whether they want to or not to go to vegas so so i think i you know, it, it could be either or right we could we could, it could have a slow phase back in and then it doesn't realize or it could be that opposite right where we were anticipating that it's a little bit slower to get back in, but everyone just wants to get out and do stuff. They want to go for drinks and say hi. They want to get back to their office and see their coworkers. They want to get back and, and maybe they're, maybe they need, you know, service-based industries. I can tell you right now through this conversation, the longer my hair goes, I have to move my part further and further up my hair. And now that it's sitting at its highest point because my hair's so long, I've now noticed that I definitely have a receding hairline with age. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of things. I'll be buying a hat after this. They'll be those <laughs> that people will just get back out and do right and i I really honestly believe it's gonna be one or the other either it's gonna be a little bit slower than we anticipate, but it will be totally fine or it's gonna come back and just overwhelm us with the demand and people want to get back out and support local business they yeah want to well well just
1: just thinking about like I cannot wait for the day that uh I'm not thinking about that the table sitting too close to me is more because they're listening to my conversation yeah. and that I'm scared that I'm going to catch a life-threatening disease that's for sure I can't wait for that day
3: yeah it's, it's going to happen like like, like it's going to come back and we, we live in, a, in an amazing city and we live in an amazing country that 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 everyone I think for the most part is a, an amazing job trying to get this get everyone through it we're all dealing with this together no no one's immune to it it um, doesn't matter what business you're in or where you live. No one's immune to it. So I think everyone's been doing a good job. And there's a really big sense of kind of like, like almost like national pride, I think, will come out of this. I think with the 3M thing, like you were pointing out, it's definitely going to force countries to maybe look at things a little bit differently that if they have to self-sustain, I mean, can they do that? Does it make the federal government make more attractive type packages, whether it's through tax rates or whatever it is, for industry to come to Canada and say, hey, produce, produce your products here? I mean there's a lot of that stuff that I think yeah. can come out of this and we won't have those answers in the short term it could be a long term and Over the next 5 years if we see manufacturing come back to north america or countries are, are manufacturing products where they're founded we will we'll probably you know definitely play a, a, I mean, a key role in how that plays out but I think you I mean I I would not be I would not be surprised if it comes back more than we think and quicker than we think because I, you know a lot of people I talk to you I mean are more on the I can't wait get back to the office i can't wait to go out for lunch and see how susie's doing i can't my clothes don't fit i need more clothes my hair's too long so i mean there there could be stuff like that that could really really spur and i know talking to a lot of our staff uh, across the lower mainland of vancouver island i mean people just are are itching to get back to the office and just see everybody and we get these these sales um calls going every you know two or three times a week and a lot of it's just bs talk like you know talking about you know Tom Brady <laughs> playing for the Bucks because guys just miss each other, right? And 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 I know a lot of our administration staff that probably some days would rather be elsewhere. You know, want to get back into their office and, and and start start filling out forms again. I you mean, know, it's stuff that we took for granted that I think we'll be very appreciative moving forward. And it would not surprise me one bit if things get back to a little bit quicker, a little bit quicker than we all anticipate.
2: Well, well, if if union, I'm I'm on Union Street right now. Watching as like a hundred bikes have gone by, maybe more in this in this conversation. And I mean, if if really if the the people that are failing to do the social distancing is any indication of of people ready to come back, like I I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think this is uh, I think people are going to go back back to business, back back to normal. And uh, Matt, I think you and I might be in the uh, germaphobe uh, minority here.
1: Yeah. Hopefully they don't go back to normal
2: too soon, but yeah, that's, that's what, that's what I'm hoping, but I don't know. I think people are itching to be outside and, uh, and get back to business as usual.
3: So I think it's like anything, right. You, you almost take for granted that, that we've, we literally have almost had our freedom taken away to some degree because before as a society, we could go wherever we want, do whatever we want, whenever we want. And now it's like, you're almost like, you can't, you know, if you want to go to a restaurant, you really can't. And if you want to go to the grocery store, you might have certain hours you can go or there might be limited food you can get. So, I mean, this, I think will really make us, you know, be very fortunate for what we have and we're so fortunate where we live and and, and all this stuff that's provided to us that maybe we'll, we'll be a little more humbling about it moving forward and really appreciate it. And I think as a community, we'll do everything we can to make sure it doesn't sort of flare up again. I think you'll see the, the government this week come out and, I mean, really, kind of not be too excited in the numbers and the optimism because I think there's fear that everyone just realizes, oh, we're over, and everyone just yeah, rushes yeah. back to it. I think there will have to be some level of phasing back to it, and I think you I mean we don't know what those answers are if a Nordstroms reopens and there's only hundred guests or hundred c- customers allowed in a Nordstroms at once versus a free for all. There could be sort of some phasing of this back into Normacy, but mm-hmm. I think I think you mean know, the government probably as much as anybody wants to get us back there because you I mean right now they're playing the role of employer and they're playing the role of customer. And there's only so much money in the coffers and so much money they can print. So Corey, just maybe,
2: maybe one last question for me. I, I've been having a conversation with a lot of people who are now, it seems like this is going to be until July, the the lockdown from, from what everybody's talking about. What if, what if a second wave hits and puts us back inside in the fall, does that change things dramatically for, for what's going to happen in commercial?
3: I think it could, because I think, I mean, if we get things back and, and things are starting to slowly phase back into normal and, and businesses are starting to see revenues go back to where they once were, hopefully, I mean, to have that, that kind of kick them in the teeth right when they're kind of getting back on their feet would probably, yeah, that would probably I mean, change some of the uh, the outlooks moving forward. I, I really hope that I think as a society that people are obviously hopefully very aware of what we're going through and we'll we'll take a very cautious approach. And I think, You know, you you have to have confidence in your government and and the medical teams and all of that stuff in your healthcare system that they're going to do everything they can to get us the most information we need to make those decisions to do it properly. I think when you, I mean, the government, I think, will be very optimistic, like I said, with their numbers, but they're not going to be too excited about it because they don't want people to run back into the ways they once were. I mean, there is that fear that does a second wave come. When you look at most respiratory um, infections and respiratory diseases, they, they seem to travel or you know better in the winter time than they do in the summertime. That's why the flu is very popular from I mean, October to February. You don't really hear a lot of it in June and July. I mean, there there that's that's reality that we have to deal with. So that's why I think there will be sort of a new reality that we do deal with until a vaccine is created, where maybe like I said, it's it's a hundred customers in Nordstroms versus a thousand customers in Nordstroms. I mean, stuff like that that will become kind of our new reality. I would be optimistic to think that hopefully, I mean, they will be able to get, I mean, some form of the economy back in place here, hopefully in the coming coming weeks or maybe month or so, at least in some phases to get it slowly going back. I think the longer it goes, the more challenging the outcome becomes. I mean, because like I said, a lot of small business owners can't. Afford to, to not be operating in some form of a capacity for for months on end, and you I mean the question becomes that staff. You I mean does that staff go back to that say restaurant business where maybe they're concerned this happens again and they want to go get a job in a different workforce? And now you I mean you have labor issues, which are already challenging because the cost of living in Vancouver is so much. It's already challenging to get get staff in those issues in those industries already. So there's there's lots of that stuff that are out there that I think we have to just be aware of and do our best and trust trust the government and the medical system.
1: Well, uh, before we go, we usually have the five wire, which I think you've answered before. I was just thinking maybe we can maybe do the it isolation called the one, one wire, which is one thing that has changed your social isolation.
2: I was thinking the five wire, but just uh, modified for, for isolation.
3: Yeah, let's do the five wire. Let's modify <laughs> it for isolation. I, I'm, I'm I got answers for you. I'm sure. Okay, so what is your favorite takeout? Favorite takeout? Ah, geez. Um, it's a good question. I'm a big fan of sushi, but I can honestly say we haven't really had much of that just because obviously the fear of people rolling it with their hands right now. So I will uh, I will definitely say um, I've probably eaten more pizza than I should, so I'm going to have to say Panago's and Domino's. Domino's flatbread, the flat, uh, the flat cr- thin crust. Nice. When we had that time when we were doing the – the live, the live. Oh, yeah. Amazing. yeah, Double chicken, single ground beef with two of the nacho cheese. Wow. That's, yeah. It's pretty impactful. Usually I usually, I try to, I usually call in for a medium. And then after I hang up, I call back and make it a large and try to convince myself that I'm eating less, but it just doesn't work that way.
2: So you're a you're a dips guy. Eh? Oh, I hear, I, yeah. my, my wife won't even eat pizza without dip.
3: Yeah. You know, what's funny is I remember when they, they kind of first kind of came out, I was thinking like, who dips this, you know, but but after a while, you kind of get used to it. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'll order a, a, a pizza from Panago, and I'll get my dips, and I'll just like dump it all over the pizza like this to eat it. It's, oh, it's, oh yeah! It's it's you know if, if I ever if I ever went out with somebody for dinner or on a date and I had pizza with dip, they would not be calling me a second time. It, you
1: know, <laughs> bad. It's bad. Thank God you're married. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so we usually ask favorite favorite neighborhood
2: what is his favorite room in your house well, no 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 I, I i what's what's your favorite quarantine album
3: my favorite quarantine album you know i'm a, I'm a big on the audiobooks i listen I, okay. I read a lot of the audiobooks and listen to it so actually i i just finished um uh, uh one from the uh, i guess former ceo uh, bob eichner i think it's bob eichner robert eichner uh who was the former ceo of disney which was an amazing amazing book i think is you know, growing up as kids, we all have a relationship with Disney. And, and the book kind of really starts off with he's in Shanghai Disney getting ready to open what kind of becomes the pinnacle of his career in Disney. And there was the shooting in Florida at the, the Pulse nightclub there, which the shooter, according to the book, was actually in Disney World. And that was his target. But he couldn't get into a venue because of extra security. So so now you're kind of dealing with this. And then the same week this happened, that that unfortunate that kid was eaten by an alligator in, in Disney World all happened. So the, kind of this huge lift before you get into the book and then you really hear how Disney was built and sort of how it really had challenges as most companies do and how it became the company it is today. So I definitely would say that was, it's, it's, a, it's a great book to listen to or read if someone's got time, which I'm sure we all have a lot of time right now. What? What? I'm, like, Adam, I'm, I'm, you seem to have the this dial. Yeah. What's
2: next? Uh, favorite uh, favorite quarantine movie
3: or show? Well, I'm going to say this, but no one can judge me just because I, I mean, we haven't really had much to pick from. So I'm going to have to go back to my earlier suggestion of the Tiger King. Yeah. Probably the worst <laughs> show I've ever seen, but at the same point in time, it's like watching NASCAR. You just can't turn it off, and it almost gets to the point of like just no more stupid stuff can happen. And then next scene, something even stupider happens and you just can't turn it <laughs> off. So, so I would say that, or I've been, I've been literally rewatching suits over and over and over again. So, I mean, those are kind of my two highlights or on, actually, no, I lied to you onward the Disney movie that came out. That was actually, pretty Oh, cool. they released that early, right? Yeah, that yeah, came really out. And, and for all the, all the parents out there, trolls two comes out on Friday. So wow. what's yeah. onward onward. It's a, it's a Pixar Disney uh, cartoon.
2: Oh, okay. so, like, the,
3: the, the kids love it. They seem to really, really get into it. And I try to pretend like I'm an adult and I'm not really that interested, but I think when they're down, I'm catching up on it. So,
2: I, I'm about 30 minutes into 1917, okay. uh, which is a new war movie that just released. And uh, it's pretty incredible.
3: Yeah, no, it's, I it, think, I think there's a it, lot of things out there that maybe we all normally wouldn't find the time to watch and now we're making time to watch them. So. I, I think the tiger King is the big winner that Netflix are the big winners at the end of the day through this whole thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What What's the first thing you're going to do outside of isolation?
3: I think, I can get back to the gym. You know, I can only, yeah. I can only do so many Pilates and pushups in one room and it's probably just absolutely horrifying to watch me try. So <laughs> getting back to the gym and just walking around like I know what I'm doing will probably give me some level of confidence that we're probably going back to the clothing store. Cause I'm pretty sure none of my pants are going to fit.
1: Yeah, you and me both. Was, uh, I've I've come to that realization about day 15 in. It's like, oh yeah. man,
3: my pant sales at Roots are going to be through the roof next week. <laughs> <laughs> we got one more. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Hey, what about favorite favorite cocktail or isolation, oh, yeah, yeah, cocktail? Yeah, yeah. isolation? cocktail or or beer? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I as much as I as much as I'd like to enjoy those, I really don't get much time anymore between work um the wife and the, the two young kids waking up with a two and a half and a four-year-old climbing on you wanting to play after you've had a couple beers is not the most fun but if, if i if i if i had the luxury of having something i'm gonna have to go to the, the fat tug oh nice yeah one or two of those and you just feel like you just like like i take a take a frying pan hit yourself as hard as you can and the head two or three times and that's what it feels <laughs> like a fat tug the next morning so
1: yeah it doesn't doesn't work if you're getting up at 3 30 no,
3: no 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 trust me the alarm still goes off and i try to convince myself that i can still do it at 3 30 and then by about four o'clock i'm sleeping on the carpet and workout clothes so <laughs> it's just it's just no
2: so so cory how can how can people find out more about william Wright commercial and uh what you guys are doing over there
3: For sure. So they can definitely go to our website, WilliamWright.ca. And on there, you can find sort of all all of our offices, all of our brokers, all the services that we offer, uh, as well as you can also follow us on social media. We have active accounts everywhere. And if you go to our website, you can find links to the YouTube channel. And on there, we do our our monthly William Wright review, which we talk about everything from a different uh, type of project we're working on, asset class um, coming up. We're we're actually shooting one this week outdoors with social distancing in place. Um, about the benefits of property management and and why most landlords should probably consider it. Just you uh, I mean just try to educate and offer that as much as we can, so they can definitely go there and find out more about us. And uh, we'd always love to hear from you. So send us an email.
2: I, I just want to quickly plug your guys' Instagram too because you put those videos on on the Insta, on Instagram on your account and they're they're great. Uh, we we've, we've always picked something up. Well, like- and
3: also the.
1: Uh, the email, what is it? The William Wright review? Is that the... Yeah, so we have,
3: we have the William Wright review that we send out and we also have the William Wright report. One's done on a monthly basis, one's on a quarterly basis. And then that kind of provides some level of education of, of obviously we'll have one coming out on the effects of COVID and how okay. it will affect our marketplace. So we try to, try to provide education to, to clients and just people who want to know in every way possible so they can definitely go find us on any social media or then go to williamwright.ca, sign up, and you'll receive all that in your inbox.
1: Yeah, I was going to say I look forward to the COVID one. I mean, we covered a lot of stuff here, but those are really thoughtful, uh, thoughtful
3: reports. So great, I'm glad you guys like it. Thank, yeah, thanks so much for your time, Corey. That was a great conversation. My pleasure. Thanks for thanks for having me back. I appreciate it, and I think uh, you mean you mean I could do the show probably three or four times a day right now. I have so much time on my hands. So if you <laughs> if you, if you if might you take
2: in, you up on that. Well,
3: Maybe if you, you, if you, if, you, if you run into problems next week, I can put a wig on, paint a mustache, and we can talk about something else. <laughs> Awesome. Have a good day. Great. Thanks so much, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Corey Wright from William Wright Commercial Real Estate Services. Always enjoy having Corey on the
2: program, Matt. Uh, Great, great realtor, um, commercial realtor. And, And, you know, he's definitely got his finger on the pulse. He's got a, a couple different brokerages now and lots of agents that he works with.
1: And um, yeah,
2: he's talking to people all day about the commercial market. So who better than Corey? No kidding. I, I feel
1: like Corey's one of these guys where it's like separating the wheat from the chaff. He's uh, a, a few and far between. uh thinks about the market in kind of a, 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 a more profound way, right? Uh, when he was coming on, I was excited to hear what he had to say. And uh, it would did not disappoint, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, and one thing that did disappoint <laughs> is that his favorite pizza is Domino's thin crust. Uh that <laughs> that was surprising. I was thinking, Corey, you live in like Vancouver's not exactly uh, It ain't a pizza bad. Town, it ain't there's bad. There's some pretty good pizza in Vancouver for sure. Yeah. It ain't it ain't bad. Domino's thin crust though is uh, is a worthy yeah, contender yeah. so I'll I'll give him that but <laughs> no it, kidding but know. uh
1: what know. else do we got today Adam well we're still planking the curve uh for the most part we are meeting we're, no. <laughs> Not yeah, at the we are meeting up over in lower lonsdale sunday two to four we're doing a virtual open house the nice thing about this is it's a vacant property there's nobody else around me and you are both in hazmat suits we're at least 10 feet apart at all times but we're inviting everyone to come down and check it out it's going to be on realtor.ca this is a stunning property and uh, this is our first virtual open house. So so definitely check that out. But other than that, we're putting out two episodes a week. Uh, I think we're attacking this COVID thing from as many angles as possible. And uh, I've learned a lot and I hope that uh, we've provided some value out there. But we're doing all this over at com. So head over there to check that out. And if you want to speak to me about... Anything we've talked about, uh real estate in general, or anything at all, really, give me a call at seven seven eight eight four seven two eight five four, 847 2854 or Matt at Vancouver dot com. Or you can try me at 778 866 4574 or Adam at Vancouver dot com. We also got that secret line. Info at Vancouver dot com. And this secret line is getting so secret. I'm not even sure we can comment on it anymore. do, do I feel like we used to know. He might the not secret. even be around. Yeah, I feel. I feel like the secret's being kept from us. Well, have a good week, guys. We'll be back on Friday. We got a phenomenal episode again. It's already in the can. I'm so excited about it. And take care this week. Stay home. Stay safe.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Matt. And appreciate everybody listening. Uh, Please stay safe out there, everybody. And uh, let's keep on planking the curve.
3: 2,000 faces
0: for radio.
3: Subscribe today.